Today, we've got sellers on the show that I originally met in Italy, and, and now they're selling millions of dollars on Amazon. We're going to hear their story, which includes a case where one of their competitors even sent fake reports to the media about their product safety in order to get them kicked off of Amazon. How crazy is that? Pretty crazy, I think. What was your gross sales yesterday, last week, last year? More importantly, what are your profits after all your cost of selling on Amazon? Did you pay any storage charges to Amazon? How much did you spend on PPC? Find out these key metrics and more by using the Helium 10 tool, Profits. For more information, go to h10.me forward slash profits. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And today, we are doing what I think is a first. We are having a three-continent podcast at the same time, all right? We're not recording this separately. I'm here in North America. Uh, we've got uh, Peter, who I believe is in the Asian continent, and we've got Franco, who is in Europe. Uh, so welcome to the show. And the funny thing is, I met all of them in person, at least, uh, in Italy, which is why I'm wearing my Mona Lisa uh, <laughs> shirt, my Mona Lisa shirt here. Um, so anyways, um, welcome to the show, guys, and and good mo good, good afternoon and, and uh, good morning to Franco, and it's good evening here. Thanks, Bradley. Thank Thanks for having us. Now, I, uh, as I said, I, I met these uh, gentlemen at a conference in Milan, Italy, recently, and uh, you know, just talking to them a little bit, I'm like, man, all right, I don't want to know too much more because this sounds interesting, and I just love to find out about the rest of you know your stories, you know, along with everybody else in the podcast. Now, that was like a couple months ago, so the cool thing is, you know, with my terrible memory. The little that they did tell me, I've already forgotten. So, so guys, I am going to be learning uh, everything, you know, right, right with you, with all the listeners today. So let's, uh, first of all, you know, the first thing that, that, that blew me away was, you know, here, here's, here's Peter and you guys can't see him. You know, he, he is, uh, he's in Asia right now and he is of Asian descent. You know, like he looks, I'm half Asian. I don't look Asian. Peter looks Asian. Then here he is uh, sitting with me in this Italian restaurant. And, and ordering in perfect Italian, I'm like, what? Like, am I, do I have, really have jet lag? What is going on uh, right here? So, Peter, let's start with your backstory. Were you? Uh, oh yeah. And by the way, he, the, the way he speaks English was also a, a little bit different. So, so were you were you born and raised in Australia, or where were you born and raised? Yeah. So I I grew up in Australia, but okay. uh, actually I was I was I was born in the states. I don't know if I mentioned that in the states. <laughs> That makes it even more yeah, interesting. Yeah. I love it. Where whereabouts yeah. here in the states? In Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Okay, man, that's yeah. that's a, that's still the coldest I've ever been. Uh, not sure I want to go back there in winter. But all right, so you were in Minneapolis, and yeah. how? I mean, you know, the Minneapolis Australia connection is not very uh, common. So how how did that happen? Yeah. So if I take it back a step further, as you said, um, I'm I'm Asian. My parents uh, were born in China. Okay. And they, they met in the U.S., so that's why I, I was born there. Okay. And then after um, they finished their studies, they decided they wanted to move to Australia. So when I was a baby still, we immigrated to Australia. Okay. 
All right. And then now yeah. growing up in Australia, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Yeah, I didn't have any, you know, any special different aspirations. I was like all the other kids, fireman, fireman or, or policeman or anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that sort of stuff. Okay. Didn't think of being an entrepreneur or e-commerce guy or anything like that. Did you go to university in Australia? Yes, I did. I studied engineering. Yeah. Engineering. I had a very traditional upbringing. Yeah. Okay. And then upon graduation, did you start working in that field? Yes, I did. I um, So as I had no real exposure to my Asian roots, I wanted to do one year in Asia. So I ended up working in Hong Kong. So I worked in uh, in Hong Kong for a little while with uh, in, in the engineering field related to engineering. Did you speak Chinese? I did not. That, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go to, to Asia because growing up in Australia, yeah. At that time, I was the only Asian kid in, in school. Um, there was no real interaction with other families or anything. So um, I just spoke English. Okay. Now, you know, USA to Australia to Hong Kong, how did you end yeah. up speaking Italian? So when I was in Hong Kong, um, I got headhunted for a job in Italy. So, yeah, I, I took the opportunity and went over there and um, lived there for a few years and worked there for a few years. Okay. That's cool that you learn the language. You know, some people, uh, yeah. you know, go to other countries and, you know, years and they don't, are not able to learn the language. That's a, that's a cool, uh, cool skill there. And, and all right. So, so that yeah. brings us to, I mean, obviously you're not in Italy anymore. So how long did you stay in Italy? Right. Uh, I think it was about five years. About five years. About five years. In Italy. Okay. Yeah. All right. And it was it during your, your run in Italy there that you learned that you started on Amazon or how, how did you go from engineering to e-commerce? No. So, um, while I was in Italy, I also got headhunted for another job and I was moved to Shanghai. And while I was in Shanghai, I met a, one of my friends who I did sport with was very much into Amazon and he always kept talking about it. And then finally, uh, one day I said, this sounds really interesting. Why don't you show me what you're doing? And I offered to invest in what he, he was, his business, because it sounded like it was really good. And he said, no, why don't you just try it yourself? So I did it as a, um, as a hobby for a while, and then eventually it became, became my full-time thing. Okay. All right. All right. Now, now we're caught up to, to kind of like the e-commerce. Let's, let's go ahead and take the journey with, with Franco. Now, for you, it's a lot easier backstory. Were you born and raised in Italy and lived there your whole life? Or, or did you live in 17 million countries like uh, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was born and raised in Italy. I passed a couple of years in China, but it means that I was there like uh, every month of April and every month of October since 2003. So it's not was not like living permanently there. I was living in a hotel. So basically, I've been living my life in Italy. Okay. All right. Now, what about you? Uh, what did you go to university for? I did pure math. And when I was studying at the university, I thought that I would be doing academia after that. Okay. And then it changed my mind. Okay. What, so upon graduation then, uh, what did you enter into if, if you didn't want to go ahead and, and, and take that route that you thought you were going to take? Yeah, indeed. When I graduated, I didn't really know what to do uh, because I, uh, I, I changed my mind. I didn't want to be a, a university professor of math. And so I was uh, going into my other side of me that was being an entrepreneur. So I did an MBA. And after that MBA, I worked for a couple of years as a marketing uh, assistant in a company. And during that time, I founded two companies, two different ones with friends of mine. And from 
and then I resign, and from that point, I always been an entrepreneur. Okay, all right. So, what year did you go full on into e-commerce? Then, would you say I went into e-commerce probably more than ten years ago. D- uh, dot com or or other marketplaces or or what? Now I'm in Europe. We no. were selling uh, at that time. I was. But, but selling I mean, I, what I meant was, yeah, the, the dot com is on Europe. But uh, what I meant was like a like what like you know online sales or or was it like a marketplace uh, that you were on? No, it was, was uh, our own e-commerce, Got our it. own. Got it. Uh, yes. Okay. Our own website, and we were selling. I was selling on with my company. I was selling uh, rubber trucks that are the equivalent of tire for excavators and accessories for construction equipment. So something that probably even today you cannot sell on Amazon because like super huge and super yeah. heavy. So you, you exited that company and then you said yeah. you became like a full-time entrepreneur. What was that endeavor like? Full-time into like, what, what was your, uh, was it just still you know, online sales or, or now you got into Amazon or what, what happened there? Okay, so well now most of my time is well, 100% of my time is on Amazon. Okay. But uh, yeah, that other company, the one that now is doing Amazon as, uh, as a long story, because it started in 1999 and we've been doing so many different stuff because we started from scratch with nothing. So we started doing uh, multimedia content. Then we went into doing uh, CD and DVD duplication. That means producing physical disks. Then USB flash drives, accessories for smartphones, electronics in general, and then medical devices. When we went into medical devices, we went uh, quite big on our e-commerce. That was not something that we were doing in this company. We're doing business to business mainly. And then from that, we went into Amazon. Not that we even had tried to do Amazon before because we opened the Amazon Mm -hmm. uh, account in 2014, but it was just a sort of, let's see what's happening there, not really investing in that. Okay. So we were becoming big on Amazon since 2020. All right. Now now we're kind of, you know, caught up in a similar similar timeline uh, here. Let's go back to Peter then. Are you still selling your very first product today, Peter? Yes. I, wow. I think I started with two or three, and uh, all of those three products I'm still selling. Yeah. How, how long? How long has that been? I started in 2017. Wow, the same product. How many reviews do you have now, approximately, on that one? Oh, maybe three thousand or something like that. Okay. Reviews right. and ratings. Yeah. Reviews and ratings. All right. So you're still yeah. selling the same stuff that you got into. How did you find that first yeah. product? You know, did you just like take some course, uh, you know, th- that a lot of people, uh, you know, did and, and then just use the criteria to find the product and just struck gold in your fir- first one? Or, or how, how in the world did you did you hit a home run with your very first product? So my my friend had done the ASM course. Uh-huh. And so he suggested I did it as well. He um, and he helped me. He, he taught me the beginning steps. I was doing the normal thing everyone was doing, just uh, sure. looking for a product that had an opportunity that was that seemed like a good, uh, yep. you know, not too competitive, good price, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I was just lucky I picked uh, something that, that could uh, last a while. Now, during this time, you said you were back in China or were you in Italy? No, I was already in Shanghai at that point. Ready in China. Okay. And then, so what yep. marketplace did you launch this product on, USA or Europe? Yeah, so I started in the USA, um, but I think within the first year, I, was, I, I knew I wanted to be in Europe, so I, I immediately started in the European marketplace. I applied for VAT and everything. So, okay, yeah, pretty soon after US, uh, Europe, I was into Europe. Now, was it 
any more easy than another person because you had lived in in Italy uh, before, or or that meant nothing. You, you were applying as as an American. Were, were you an American citizen since you were born in America, or? Te- technically, I have dual citizenship, but yeah. I always travel with an Australian passport. But oh, um, okay. answering your question, I so when I studied Europe, I wanted to try the UK and Italy first okay. before going into all the other countries. So yes, there, there would have been a small advantage starting with the Italian market because I didn't have to worry too much about translations and or understanding what, what things were going. So small advantage, I would say, but not huge advantage. Okay. All right. Now... Um what did you know in the first couple of years of 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 selling on Amazon? Uh, what was your peak of sales for like a year? Gross sales. Uh, I think it was either the second or the third year I reached seven figures. So seven, okay, I, I was going at seven figures for a while, but um, in the last two years, I decided to focus more on profitability than revenue. So it's it's now in, in the six figures, but making more profit overall. Now, at what point? did like you said it become your full-time your full-time job like like at what level did you have to get to for it to replace you know your engineering jobs that you've been doing for most of your adult life yeah i um i was able to replace it i think it was maybe three or four years into the business maybe four years uh you say you sell in multiple marketplaces uh do you aim for the same profit across the board or are is there a marketplace that's giving you better profit over another uh for sure europe is way more profitable than the u.s for, and wh- for why is products. that is it the shipping um, is it the stuff- ppc or what's you know you're able to charge a higher price what, what's the difference it's it's the sellers in in europe there's less of them uh, in, in my category at least and the, the sellers are less sophisticated so they're not as good as brand at branding ppc and just the, the basic stuff. Okay. All right. Let's go back to uh, Franco then. Uh, so when you started on Amazon, sounds like you started doing different things, but was there a point where you were only doing the the medical devices, uh, as you said, or, or did you start with only medical devices and that's all you've been doing this whole time? I, when I started in 2014, we started with electronic, with accessories for smartphones. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, we were making money with other stuff. So we, were, we didn't really take care of a lot about that and we were a little bit inexperienced so we also did a couple of mistakes like in the quality of the products so we just like got a lot of bad reviews and we say okay we are making other stuff we don't care about this and we we just kept the the um, um the account open but we didn't use it that when in 2020 we started doing medical devices uh we went big almost immediately on Amazon, but before that, as I, as I said, we were doing pretty well in the like six or seven months before on our e-commerce. That was the same e-commerce that was selling uh, the electronics uh, that was like a dead website, and we we changed it. And were you only selling in Amazon Europe? Yes, because our product do not have the certification for selling in the U.S. They are very highly restricted and certified. So the, all this, uh, the regulatory stuff in U.S. is completely different. Now, what's been your peak year of gross sales? Approximately how much? Uh, 10 million. 10 million only in Europe in one year in medical yeah. devices. Yes. Wow. So... Uh, is is it safe to say that now Amazon is the main, you know, as opposed to your website? Are you still Absolutely. even doing anything on the websites or, or just all Amazon? Uh, we still have it, but, uh, and well, 
I think it's very important because one of the reasons why uh, we were successful on Amazon is because we know so well our customer. We know so well what they want from the product. And uh, uh, when we launch a product, we can tell to our customer, hey, there is also this new product. You can also find this in Amazon. So it's mm-hmm. like it gives a lot of uh, help. But uh, because of the growth that we had on Amazon, we have a little bit of neglected our website. So we should, as soon as we have more band, we should like keep, uh, make the website better and grow the website as well. Now, now as Peter was saying, you know, like uh, Europe is very profitable for him, partly in fact, due to low competition. I would imagine the being in the medical field, medical device field, makes it even less competition. Would that be a, a fair assessment that it's very few um, you know, competitors you have or, or, or has it gotten a little bit uh, more uh, tough to... Uh... So I would say there are not so many, but the ones that are there are very aggressive. Okay, aggressive as in the, 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 they might do some black hat strategies and things like that, or what do you, what do you mean by aggressive? Uh, um, yes, also, and um, because uh, on medical, it's very like, you can get suspended for yeah. any kind of claim. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite an aggressive field. And uh, so yeah. Well, what's the craziest That's- thing that has happened to you? You know, like I would assume that you've, Maybe had your account shut down, or at least product suspended, or, or what? What's been some yeah, crazy experiences yeah. the, you've had? The greatest things that happened to me was um, competitor that wanted to get rid of all the the big seller of the same product, so he creates some fake test report. He passed those test report to the media, and from me, from media, they went on national TV, and. <laughs> That was insane. At the same time, so, they hold, 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 hold on, hold on. So, yeah. so he made some fake report about yeah. like that your product is like unsafe or something. Gave it right. to like a TV station, and they got in 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 the TV. First, they gave it to the to a media, to a newspaper, uh, to a newspaper, and it made the, the you know news, they, they the trusted nation, it. The biggest newspaper from the newspaper bump it to the to the national TV. Yeah, and then. And then, so what, what was the result? Like, did Amazon see that and then shut you down, or, or did you just start getting bad reviews? Or did you know what, what wait, happened? At the, at the we were waiting experience on all the the way to do stuff uh, properly on Amazon. I Means we didn't even have the brand registry at that time, so they were also able to hijack at the same time. They hijacked our product and they left all our picture, the branding of our product, but we could not access our listing anymore <laughs> it's insane i know it's insane wow up to now i haven't heard of anyone that has an attack like that yeah that's that's pretty and, intense yeah and after like uh so this so the, the listing was destroyed took us one month to get back the ownership of the listing and when it happened it was not possible to i mean it was like flu that was probably more than a thousand of bad reviews, one thousand of like one star reviews. Now, now, did the newspapers and media and stuff? Did they ever, you know, submit uh, like retraction or, or correction? Oh well, yes, the newspaper they uh, we submitted like a press list to the newspaper. The newspaper added our press list to our to their uh, news, but customer don't really care. Sure, I mean, sure. Damage Amazon business done. is a quick business. It's very quick. Yeah. So uh, we went, we look into that with probably like, I think the the best lawyer we could find. We usually have very good lawyers. Wow. And there was another way to have it fixed 
as soon as we wanted or to have like uh, like an economical compensation because of the way it was structured, the the attack. All right. Now, now Peter, you know, like it's safe to say that you've never had that level of attack or you know, I don't think anybody has no, had I that level of attack. So, but but I'm I sure you know. I've you've, had you've, my things on national television. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've had some crazy things happen. Anything like uh, <laughs> anything that's happened to you that would you say you would call it? You know, your 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 kind of like worst experience on Amazon or craziest experience? I haven't had anything really horrible. I've had a lot of the standard like minor attacks from competitors, but um, probably the scariest one I had was uh, just I think it was. Three weeks before Christmas, a, um, a big competitor in our space did an IP complaint against me and had my product suspended. But luckily, I was able to get it back within a week. That, that could have easily dragged on for months, but I was very lucky I got it back in a week. That was, that was obviously very scary. How did you get it back? I uh, just submitted appeals. Um, I, used, uh, I have a lawyer, which I use all the time, and um, even they said, yeah. That's way faster than we normally see. You were really lucky, so I was I was just super lucky. Okay, now you know. Let's not just scare everybody with all these these bad stories, Peter. You know, sticking with you, what's the best thing that's happened to you? Or the the, cra- the craziest in a good way, or your biggest surprise, or biggest win you've had over the years on Amazon? Um, I think the first one, which was which was really uh, a happy experience for me. I've, I've heard other guests on your podcast say similarly. Um, I had I had a product, one of my standard products, and in the UK, suddenly I was having 10 times sales that I normally have. So, and, and this was quite early on, so I, I still didn't know about um, being attacked. So I, I, I wasn't worried like I would, I would be now. And uh, it, in those days, you could still write to the, the customers quite easily. So I was writing to a few of them, and I got a response back that um, a celebrity, they had seen the mm. products used by a celebrity on, on their you know, on their uh, social media. So yeah, that was, uh, that was fantastic. And um, yeah, I knew that celebrity. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Awesome. Awesome. Now, you know, you've sold in multiple marketplaces, uh, but you know, you're probably a expert, I would say on the Italian one is what you do on Amazon, Italy, a hundred percent, the same strategy across the board. Like, I mean, obviously the language is, is different, but is your PPC strategy the same? Is your branding strategy the same? Is your keyword research strategy the same? Or is there something different that, that you're doing in Italy, uh, you know, due to your, uh, experience there? No, I would say everything's exactly the same. As, as I mentioned before, it was a small advantage. And, and even now it's practically no advantage with the translation software that's available. So yeah. I'm just, I'm just doing the same thing in all the marketplaces. That's good to know because, you know, you know, so, some, yeah. some sellers out there, you know, they start in a marketplace, whether it's Italy, whether it's Germany, whether it's USA, and they're like kind of scared sometimes to, to, to branch out because they're like, oh man, I'm going to have to learn a yeah. whole bunch of new strategies to go to this new marketplace. But no, yeah. you know, you're, you're, it's, it's across the board. I mean, sure. You know, every yeah. now and you know, there's VAT, you know, and then in Japan, you might have to do a little something different, you know, but, but for the most part, the strategy, uh, strategy is the same. Now, how, What's going on these days with, you know, you mentioned you, you sell in UK and Italy. What changed yes. after the Brexit? Like now do you have to send inventory to UK and then send inventory to Italy separately and it's completely separated and segregated? Or, or what was the difference after Brexit? Yeah, so uh, you've probably heard of pan-European and probably uh-huh. your listeners who have some experience know about pan-European. Maybe I can explain that really quickly. Go ahead, please. It's like... 
it's like the US when you send a shipment to it goes to one location and then Amazon will spread it out all over the US, right? Yeah, we call that so North, Am- uh, North American remote fulfillment is what it's called over here. Right. So uh, the, they have the same thing in Europe. If you're VAT registered in their core countries, which is uh, which was UK, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, I think that's all of them. It was the same thing. You'd send it to one country and then they would spread it out amongst all the countries as if it was one country. So that was very convenient. When Brexit happened, uh, the UK became its own separate country. So all the work that you do logistically, uh, which you used to do for Europe, then you had to repeat it for the UK. So it was a bit of a hassle time-wise. Okay. All right. Now, um, uh, switching back to uh, Franco, you know, you, you had the Worst thing that could somebody could possibly imagine happen to you. Now, the same question, you know, that I gave Peter, what was the best thing that that's, that's happened to you? I mean, other than the fact that you're not even selling in the USA and you can still gross 10 million a year. I mean, that by itself is pretty amazing. But, but what else other than that is, is a cool thing that's happened to, to kind of like pump up people's spirits after feeling so sorry for you? <laughs> for what uh, Yeah, well, I think that if I put on one hand the bad thing and the other thing, the good things, the good thing outweighed the bad thing. And the the best one was the velocity to which we could reach the number one in health or personal care category with our product it was like in three weeks. So number one, uh, as in BSR one in the whole health category. Yes. Wow, yes. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. that was and um, between 2020 and 2021, we reached that position in like three weeks with our product. That's that is why we got it. Three weeks from the time you launched. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. Well, well then tell me, I, I, I got to pause you there then. How in the world did that happen? Like, did you have some crazy campaign? Was it all organic? Uh, no, how did you go no, from zero no, to number yeah. one so fast? No, they were, they were product related to COVID. Ah, okay. Okay. That's the reason. Now, did, did you, was this after COVID you started or did you just get lucky? Like it was something you were starting and you had no idea COVID was happening and the timing was just right or how in the world did... Did you manage that? Well, we have been manufacturing in China since I saw, as I told you, since 2003. Yep. We have a very strong presence in China. And so when COVID hit China in January 2020, I knew it was coming to Italy or to Europe. I was pretty sure. I also wrote an article about that. And so when, uh, uh, when that happened, uh, I was a sort of reference for many people to, to say, hey, can you help? Can you do something? Because, you know, Italy was the first country in the Western world to be hit very hard. Huh. And so we started doing those, uh, like, masks, those kind of products for yeah. COVID. And um, at the beginning, we were just doing that for um, hospitals, like, for <laughs> what was really needed. And then after that, we went to doing this uh, on our e-commerce. And the reason was that we ran out of money because the request was so insane because we, we look into that so deeply that we were 100% legit. Our product was like probably the safest you can buy at the right price. We didn't want to speculate. We didn't want to add the country. Yeah. And so we had a good product at the right price. And we have an insane, an insane amount of demand for all those uh, um, uh, like state-owned stuff like the police. the Even the, the finance police was buying from us. Uh, and and wow. so when we ran out of money, we opened the e-commerce because we need some uh, very short uh, cycle, money cycles. And, you know, okay. on e-commerce, yeah. you get the money like right away. Yep. And so after that, like six months later, and also we got a lot of 
our e-commerce was an instant success as well because we were supplying all the all the hospitals and so our prod with our brand was in every hand everyone hands and so we our e-commerce like <laughs> was an instant success and then we asked like in uh, April 2020 to our product to be listed on Amazon and Amazon didn't accept it and you have to consider at that time on Amazon it was flooded with products were not legit yep. like yep. all the things you were finding on Amazon related to the kind of product was like not compliant yep we submitted our product we were rejected we say okay I don't care I have other stuff to do and then uh, in October I tried to resubmit the product it was rejected again Say okay, <laughs> but in November, for I don't know what, I received like uh, without asking again uh-huh. to to be listed. The, I, so the listing the listing was there, but was not like not active. The listing became active from that point. Um, I think that because we have so much, um, how to say, brand recognition, yeah. uh, trust from the customer. As soon as we told the customer we are on Amazon, it was like that. I mean, we could have been number one probably in a, in a week. The only problem was the the velocity and that we need to have the product on their warehouse. Yeah, and so it was like giving three days out of stock one day, then three because of the space that Amazon was giving us. Because yeah. when you are yep. number one, yes, yep. you have to send a truck every day or even more. And so yeah, that's and, the story. That's cool. <laughs> now you know for the last part. Uh, of this, you know, let's just go back and forth with some some strategies, you know, and, and I don't mean oh, you know, keep your A cost down and 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 have a nice logo or you know, it's just standard stuff. But you know, each of you to to be at the position you are, you know, which is you know, Amazon is your full time business uh, and, and you've reached six, seven, even eight figures. You know, you've got to have some some unique strategies and some some things that are uh, that you feel are the difference of, of why you've been so successful. So we'll start, you know, Franco, with you. What is something okay. that, you know, so, you know, it could be a PPC strategy, it could be a launch strategy, it could be branding strategy. Uh, what, what, what's your first strategy of the day? I think that still uh, the obsession with the product is a key. So like uh, uh, having the best product you can have for your customers. And so listening to all the advice and now you can, you can use AI and do all your research, but uh, do the extra the extra mile don't only use ai because ai is very good to finding uh, um like patterns like to putting together something that is say in a different way but it's not good to find outliers and many times in the outliers there are some very good gold nuggets so talk with as many as you can even even call them and uh, understand what are they paying what are they what they really want when you have a, the best possible product, then you need to apply all the techniques that Amazon requires. Like have the best possible page, uh, have those pains and uh, emotion of the customer reflected in your stack image, uh, have the best possible main image ever. Like do a lot of testing, an insane amount of testing until you know you will uh, be the number one choice. And never uh, let the customer down. Whatever they have a problem, solve it, solve it, solve it. Because then you have to you have to reach the position. Then you have to stick to in the position. Yeah, because it's, it's a never-ending story. All right, switching back to Peter, uh, what's your um, first strategy that you'd like to share? Uh, I, I'd give a general one, and then maybe an Amazon-specific sure. one. V- sure. Very general. Uh, 
I think there's a lot of listeners on your podcast that are maybe just starting out. So mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest just to keep things simple. Uh, I've seen some people, they, they try and go too advanced from the beginning and it's, uh, they get in over their head. They don't understand what's happening. So I, w- I would just keep it simple. E- even though I've been doing it for a long time, I, I also follow the same principle. I, I, don't, have any, I don't have any full-time staff. I, I just try and keep things as simple as possible. And then specifically for Amazon, as I mentioned before, I think if you're, especially if you're getting started, you really need to think about products or a product that you can brand. If you, if you can't brand a product, for example, if you're doing, I don't know, stationery or to- cleaning accessories or something, it's very difficult to build a brand around that to build user excitement. So that's something you probably need to consider as well. Okay. Uh, going back to Franco, you know, like you can give us another strategy, but before you do that, I wanted to kind of like double down on what you were talking about. You know, you, you were saying, hey, you know, have the best listing, have the best images and, and do a lot of testing. How are you doing this testing and how are you making sure that you have, you know, the, the best? Well, I'm using all the um, software as a service that's, that's out available. So I like take my... Uh, three or four competitors, and I test my main image against their um, main against the main image of my competitors. Then I got all the advice from the pollers, like uh, we choose this because of this, we don't like this because of that. We run AI on that, but we don't only run AI. I read all the um, the response one by one, and I try to see how can make it how I can make it better, and then I write like. Um, 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 something that what, what need to be done, I pass this to my, and I try to be very, very specific, like many times I take a piece of paper and make driving by myself, like this is how I want this to be, and then I pass to my designer, and then the designer make a new um, couple of variations, I test again, and sometimes I go very deeply on that, like I am not happy until like I get that out of five possible choice of main image, my main image gets 60% of the clicks and the other four share the 40%. So it's not just a matter of, all right, hey, uh, I won with 30%, another one has 28, another one has 26. That, that's Even no. though you won, that's a failure to you until you it's can a get to, to, the, me. Yeah, yeah. to the I won like 60% and 40% split between the other four. Okay. Then I know that I'll stand out and this is the first step. Then I need to, like, the page has to be consistent. Um, and then I need to maintain my promise to the customer. Are you selling, uh, you still with Franco here, are you, are you selling in all European marketplaces, like including the, the newer ones like Poland, Netherlands, or are you are you focused only on the, the bigger ones? So my um, sellers, I sell both on 1P Vendor Center and 3P Seller Central. And I am, I have all the accounts, I mean, all the nine accounts in Europe, but uh, the only one that really matters are the, the big five, uh, UK, Italy, Germany, Spain, and France. And uh, for the most of my product, I cannot use the pan-European as um, Peter does, because there are specific regulations for mm. each. So there is on top, there is the EU regulation. Mm. But then there are specific regulations on a, on a country level. So Amazon do not allow us to do the pan AU. We, and we need to stock the product in, on each country. Okay. Interesting. Wow, that's, that's a lot of work and uh, increases your workload to manage the logistics in each, each country like that. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, going back to Peter, you have any more strategies for us? Uh, but before you get to that, um, what about you? You know, you mentioned UK and Italy. Are you also selling in all nine marketplaces or are you only keeping your listings active in, in the big ones? Yeah, it was only UK and Italy when I first started in Europe to get an idea of how it worked. And uh -huh. almost immediately, I think I only did UK and Italy for three months and then straight away I went into the pan-European. So for now, the last few years, I've been... Outside of the big five, if you had to pick one of the the the, the, the newer ones, um, which one are, are they all doing equal, or is there one that you feel, hey, you know, down the road this could become the sixth uh, the sixth one? That's a good question. Now, I haven't really focused on any of the new ones. I think what have you got? Belgium, Sweden. Um, yep. I can't remember, but Poland's. From, um, there's Czech, a couple Czech Republic. more. But from from what I've what I've seen, they're all very minimal. I, I haven't really okay. put any effort into them. I wouldn't say there's one that's that particularly stands out. And then for all of those, are you just using what Amazon does for the auto translation, or did you uh, did you you know commission a you know, official translation you know with a service or something? You know, obviously you did the Italian one yourself, but but what about for for these other languages? <clears throat> Actually, um, I didn't do the channel myself. I used Yana's service, YLT. Shout okay. out to Yana. Uh -huh. But uh, for those, for the other marketplaces, no, I haven't specifically worked on those. I've just left it with Amazon doing their own translations. And then they, they have a similar system to NARF. Yeah. So for like for Canada and Mexico, then for the other countries that we just mentioned, they'll, they'll take the product from Germany or France or wherever and then they'll send it over. It's a similar system. Okay. All right. Uh, any more specific strategies for us that you'd like to share? Um, I, I do a lot on social media. I don't know if you, you've seen um, that. That's been a huge part of uh, improving profitability in the last two years. So the the PPC costs were going up incredibly. Like like for us, it was getting tackles was getting up to thirty percent, maybe even forty percent for some products. And now with some strong, um, a lot of work on on the social media side, I managed to bring that down to less than 5%, which I think is quite rare in the industry whoa, for, the, whoa, whoa. for the tacos. Less than 5% tacos? Wow, that's very and, impressive. And most of it, and most of the tacos is um, brand defense on on, uh, on the product page. Uh -huh. So, yeah, that's been huge for us to to, um, to make that change. All right. What does the future hold for you, uh, Franco? Like, like you just, hey, let, let's just keep going, or are you looking to exit? you know, your, your, your business and retire, uh, you looking to start any more brands or, or like what, what's your, you know, you looking one year down the road, five years down the road, buying a, well, a lower division Italian uh, football team, uh, or like what's going to, what's going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> now. Well, um, but my dream would be to, uh, have my figure, my company reached nine figures. That's a very, very nice. difficult endeavor. And, uh, uh, at that it level, means, I think you might be ready for Inter Milan or AC Milan. Uh, forget the lower division. <laughs> You'll be ready to buy one of those. What else? And that could be through acquisitions of other brands uh -huh. or through expanding our product range. Uh, we have been looking to many, many things. Okay. What, what about you, Peter? What's the future hold for you? Yeah, I'm just happy doing what I'm doing. I don't have any near-term plans to sell the business. Um, yeah, I enjoy what I do and... Uh, just going to keep going. All right. Excellent. Now, why don't we just go ahead and close this out with a one or two sentence uh, words of fa farewell in Italiano uh, here. Start with Franco. Say something for the Italian community out there. 
La comunità italiana dei venditori Amazon deve crescere, ha una grandissima potenzialità, Amazon è diventato uno dei mercati più importanti in Europa, quindi forza ragazzi, conquistiamo Amazon. All right, and Peter, where was your uh, Italian words of wisdom? Italian? Se qualcuno in Italia sente questo, passa a Shanghai, so, sarà contento di, di vederti. All right. I have no idea. They're saying this, this host of the podcast is a crazy guy. and, and uh, no. sexy host of this podcast is what I said. <laughs> All right. There we go. That's good. Well, I'll, I'll believe that. All right. Well, guys, thank you uh, so much. It was great to have you on. It was great to meet you and, and hang out in Italy. Um, we, we found that little nice restaurant that, that, you know, I was like not expecting much, but that was a really, really delicious food. My whole time in, in Italy was, was good food. But I look forward to seeing you at a future conference, whether it be in in Asia, North America, or, or Europe. So thanks for coming on. Thank thanks, you, Bradley. Bradley.